Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for the most well-known sports radio icon in St. Louis. The show that begs you to answer the question, can I ever be this good? It's time for the Charlie Tuna Show. Presented by Ameren, Illinois on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Thank you. 
everybody. We're brought to you by Snooks here in here in Kirkwood, Missouri. We're going to have John Sheeshine. He's a doctor. He worked with Dr. Rick Lehman, but Dr. Rick is out of the country. He's in Spain. What is he doing, Joe? On a bike ride? He's yeah. He he went to Spain for a biking trip. Is what I was told by Dr. Rick. That's when you know you got money. Yes. And he's going to be gone until <laughs> September 12th. So he's going on a nice little two-week vacation or biking trip. He's probably going to see some nice Spanish country. His p- replacement is a physical therapist. We'll talk to him about, uh, he'll be in the studio. We'll talk to him about high school injuries, things like that. But our big guest tonight, uh, former Alabama head coach Gene Stallings, will be with us at about 6.15. And Tuesday night, they're one and only. Barry Switzer. Sound like to do the old coaches because they say more, don't they, Joe? They 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 got some stories that you've never heard before. Yeah, they're not too concerned. And Alvin Miller, he recruited him. He's the other day. Actually, he's I forgot Alvin Miller. I forgot him. Oh, that's the kid from Kirkwood, the number one athlete in the country. <laughs> yeah, that's him. So we'll do that. Uh, let me have that sheet back when you get through with oh, those yeah, phone yeah. numbers. Get that. You got the phone numbers off of there. Mm-hmm. All right. The big news tonight, of course, is Mizzou plays Louisiana Tech. It's on ESPN. Is it you? Uh, ESPN, you, yes. You. What is it? Oh, yeah. We, we don't have watching in the station. What is it? We can't? Uh, I don't believe we have ESPN. That's a damn yeah. shame. You got mm-hmm. a state school in the SEC. Now, we don't have a channel here in the station. Can you watch it at home? Is that channel I think you have 833? To, um, I don't think. It depends on what uh, cable company you have. Some okay. cable companies don't uh, take ESPN U, so you'll have to be watching it on your computer okay, let me ask or stream it in that way. How many SEC schools are playing tonight? I think it's just Mizzou. How come it's not on the <laughs> SEC exactly. station? I agree. It's, it never is. And they've been talking all over the country on ESPN and I and everybody. Only team they don't even mention Mizzou. They mentioned Mizzou today. They said that Mizzou had four quarterbacks that they tried to get to come yes, here. They tried to get everybody they can, and not a one said. And we had, and that was after the recruiting class. Now we're not here to try to <laughs> no, down no, Mizzou, no. but me and myself, Bernie Mickles, people. When you talk about Mizzou, just tell the truth about them. You don't have to gloat. And I'm not a cheerleader for Mizzou. You know that, Joe. I'm not a cheerleader for Mizzou at all. You can watch Mizzou on ESPN University tonight, or you can watch it online at FUBU TV, but there may be regional restrictions. Uh, Mizzou is a 19-point favorite, so they shouldn't have too much of a struggle tonight. But I was listening to uh, Eli Drinkwitz and his press conference on Wednesday when they announced the death chart, and he made it seem like – that he doesn't know exactly what it's going to look like. I'm pretty. He said it's a blank canvas, and I'm not sure what we're going to paint yet because it's a whole new team. And he was like, and then he talked about Louisiana Tech. And he said they got all new coaches, so we can't really watch film. So we're not really sure what we're going to see out there on the field. They got all new coaches. What does that tell you, Drake? They all. He knew everything about the coach. He told him where they came from. He's like, one coach is from Stephen F. Austin. One's from TCU. Like, you should be licking your chops. Seriously, right exactly. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be stuff. saying we don't know what we're gonna get out there yet. You, that's definitely not what you should be saying. That's what happens when you go to <laughs> Appalachian State to get a damn head coach, okay? And all you Mizzou fans out there, let me tell you one damn thing. We hope Mizzou has a tremendous Absolutely. season. We really do. But all they were talking about today on ESPN this evening was Tennessee. And the one school that Mizzou cannot even penetrate to beat 
Arkansas won nine games last year. Yes. Them won nine games in three years. <laughs> <laughs> they won nine uh, games. Remember Joe? Man, they look good. They do look good. Mizzou, yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough, and Tennessee's gonna be better this year. There's a lot of teams are gonna be better this year. It's gonna be come down judge? to Mizzou and Vanderbilt at the bottom. You send it to him. I did. Mm-hmm. It's gonna come down to whom you say? I say that it's gonna come down to Mizzou or Vanderbilt at the bottom of the list. Mizzou or Vanderbilt? Yeah. Well, Vanderbilt, the, Vanderbilt. Yeah, Vanderbilt will be last, but I'm saying it's gonna be Vanderbilt. But they Mizzou. got an excuse. Exactly. They're, They're an academic school. school. And that's why David, what's his last name, the head coach at Stanford, he has been so good so long. Coach David, I call him. They're one of the top academic schools ever. But they win. And my favorite player in the NFL right now is the running back, the white kid, McCaffrey from Carolina. When he came out of college, he played mm-hmm. a Rose Bowl game against, I think it was Iowa, where he ran over the entire team. He's just not he, he was healthy. Just I sent it to you since. You sent it to me. I sent it to him too, but I guess okay. he didn't get it. So it, it's one of those things where we're going to tell you what we're going to do. We're gonna take, let's take a quick time out before we join Coach Stallings. We're going to get him on and have him wait for just a little bit. This portion of the show is brought to you by Snooks Reward Yourself Daily with the Snooks Rewards app. With Snooks Rewards, you earn 2% back on every purchase. It's simple. Shop, earn, redeem. We'll be right back. To the Charlie Tuna Show, presented by Ameren, Illinois, on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. All right, welcome back to the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by SunTrump BMW of West St. Louis. He's there, right? Hey, I want to bring on one of my special guests. This guy is not only former head coach, college pros, he won a national championship at Alabama in 92, coach of the year in 1992. Eddie Robinson, Coach of the Year Award, 1992. Paul Barron Award, 1992. Walter Camp, Coach of the Year Award, 1992. George Munger Award, 1992. And two-time SEC Coach of the Year, 92 and 94. Assistant Coach on the Super Bowl Dallas Cowboys. And two-time National Champion. The one and only my friend, Coach Gene Stallings. How you doing, Coach? Charlie Turner, I'm doing fine, and it's a joy to talk to you, my friend. It's always a joy. My good friend Bernie Nicholas, I know is listening because you know he's one of your dear friends as well. You be sure and tell old Bernie hello and tell Carol Buck that I said hello also to my favorite people. I sure will do that. How's life going? How's the, how's the wife doing? Every, everybody's doing fine. It's, uh, you know, I've, I've had a... Oh, Little setback or two, a couple of strokes doesn't amount to anything. That's all but I'm right. doing That's fine. Right. It's called hiccups. And, uh, doing about as good as I can. Today you told me. Yesterday you said sometimes you forget 
the gentleman just called you my producer. I forget every day, uh, Coach. <laughs> every day. I tell you, I, I wrote down, I said, Georgia Turner's going to call me at 6.15, put it in my truck and on my desk. So I, I was going to be around at that time because I remember you the first person that called me when I got the coaching job at St. Louis. No, you called me. Because you well, said, anyway, Coach, one of us, first people I talked Tom Landry, to. I was one of the first people you talked to, and the first thing you wanted to know, you needed a pool table for you and your son. I remember the conversation very well. Needed a what? Pool table. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether we got it or not, but Johnny was a real joy. We, I was with someone yesterday. I was with a guy. We call him Mr. Soccer. His name is Bill McDermott. And he mentioned uh, Johnny. He said, how's he doing? I said, I said, Johnny's not with us, but his memory lives on, doesn't it? Man, man, and I can't tell you how many things are named after him and what a joy he was. The thing that I felt like is the worst thing ever happened to me turned out to be the best. Mm-hmm. So you never know what the good Lord has in mind for you. All right, let's talk a little football. What can you say about the – you know, I saw the they had a special on the SEC South this past weekend, and they were talking about after you came in to be the head coach, and they talked about in ninety. I was it was it, I'm not sure what year it was, but when the, the SEC went to the East and West divisions, and then after you won the division, you had to play a championship, and you thought it would be a detriment. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. To the SEC to make a national champion. Tell us a little bit about that story. Well, first of all, I, I, I was for it, obviously, after we, But we had won 12 games. We're 12 and 0. Going to play a, a championship game. And wouldn't would won 12 games. Hadn't won anything. So I felt like the season was long enough. But they... The uh, people that made the decision to what it is now has really helped the SEC. Your team, Alabama, how do they it's, – it's wide open how they do it, but how do they do it so consistently every year? It's because it started with Coach Brian, you, and now Saban. No, I, I how do they do it? Coach Saban has just done a fabulous job of, of coaching there, and, and, and he does a great job recruiting. You know, that's that's the key. You can be extremely well coached, but if you don't have good players, you're, not, you're going to win some games, but you're not going to win them all the way they have. So uh, they just recruit a little bit better than most people. Him and uh, they got into a, a heated discussion, uh, uh, Texas A&M coach. Jim 
Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher. They got into a heated discussion a couple months ago about uh, recruiting in the NIL. What was your take on that? Well, I'm, I'm just glad that, that I was not coaching during <laughs> the time that back when I was coaching, if you paid a player, you got put on probation. Mm-hmm. Now you pay the player and it's legal. So the, the game has really changed. Uh, obviously, they're trying to trying to make it where the player does receive something. But I tell you, when you get a full scholarship and uh, you graduate from college, uh, that scholarship is worth a lot. We sort of forget that from time to time. We go to college for an education. We don't go to college to play football. You know, that's that's the trend nowadays. And as a matter of fact, the college coach, he can't tell a, co- a player what to do hardly anymore. And you can get out. Well, he'll, he'll transfer. He'll He'll go across the street or go go somewhere. But, yeah, I, I, I'm glad that I'm not coaching in this day and time because I would have a number of my players probably be ready to transfer, especially after some of those tough practices. What And practices are not the same. And what's your take now on the NIL where players can go out and get their own money and things? I, I'm opposed to that. You know, it, it, a football team is made up of football That's players and – now all of a sudden, one one particular player, uh, he receives a lot of money, and somebody else made it possible for him to to run a catch. A, somebody had to block somebody, and and now we reward the guy that 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 carried the ball or whatever you want to call it. I, I'm I'm just opposed to that. I feel somewhere along the line, it's going to hurt college football. Uh, transfer reporter, what's your take on that? Well, you know, I would be extremely embarrassed if one of my players wanted to transfer. I never had one that, when I was coaching in college, wanted to transfer and go to another another school. So whatever I would say would just be guessing. But I would be extremely disappointed if some of my players wanted to transfer and go to another school. And I wouldn't be too interested in and getting somebody that signed a scholarship to play for somebody else, and then something goes wrong, he wants to leave. So I'm, I'm opposed to all that. My guest tonight, Coach Gene Stallings. Coach, recruiting, how has recruiting overall changed since your days to right now? Well, when I was coaching, we had one man that was in charge of recruiting. Now they'll have a... a Ten or twelve people on their staff that don't do anything but recruit. Now they recruit all over the country. Back when Coach Brown was at Alabama, he recruited primarily the state of Alabama, and uh, the guy that was in charge of the recruiting was a basketball coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, but now they'll they'll have a recruiting staff, and they do an outstanding job. So they do a better job now than we did when I was coaching. And when you coach. The coaching staff wasn't the same size. The coaching staff nowadays is almost as big as a football team, isn't it? Isn't that the truth? Yeah, well, I think, well, we had uh, maybe eight or nine coaches. that had three on offense and three on defense and then had a special team coach. So I, I guess the bottom line, the most we ever had was seven or eight coaches on the staff. Mm-hmm. Coach, you are from Paris, Texas. You played at Paris High School. Being from the state of Texas, was Darrell Royal the head coach before you came, or was he after uh, yeah, you? Yeah, he, he was coaching there when I was at, at A&M. He was at the University of Texas. 
And uh, they did a little bit better job recruiting than the rest of us did. Now, when I was at A&M, A&M was a military school. The Vietnam War was going on. Uh, lots of people loved A&M. They just didn't want to make the commitment to the military. Mm-hmm. So back in my days, recruiting at A&M was was extremely difficult, even though it was, a, it was a great university and a good place to go to school. Still, it was a tough recruiting job. How was it? Uh, I remember the, the first, the first when I first started, I met two celebrity athletes. I met Joe Namath, and I met Daryl Raw. And I sat down with him, and he could tell I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. I was new. He said, son, when you're an athlete, if you don't get it together, you're like a piece, you're like a steak in a refrigerator. When that steak gets green, we got to get rid of you. He said, <laughs> that was some advice he told me. <laughs> now, that sounds like Darrell. He, he was an outstanding coach, and I had the privilege of coaching against him. Uh, he was at the University of Texas when I was at Texas A&M, and they did just a little bit better job than most of us. After you leave uh, Texas A&M and Alabama, you go to the – Great Dallas Cowboys, and you coached under one of the greatest coaches in the history of football, Tom Landry. No, no question about it. In fact, it's still hard for me to get in my crawl that that they had fired Tom Landry, hmm. and uh, it's hard for me to be a great Cowboy fan even though I live in the area. I can't keep from remembering the way they handled and treated Coach Landry, who was in my opinion, the best pro coach. And I just worked for two. Coach Bryant, in my opinion, was the best college coach. And Coach Landry was the best pro coach, and I worked for both of them. I remember Landry on the sidelines, Coach Landry. He was the cleanest coach, him and Hank Stram. They'd wear a sport coat and tie, but they'd always wore those spot-built football shoes so they wouldn't mess up their shoes. But he, <laughs> he, didn't, become, he didn't become best friends with the players, did he, Coach? Well, he was a coach. He wasn't. He wasn't there to be their friends. We all respected him, and all the players respected uh, Coach Landry for what he stood for. But as as far as just being a buddy buddy with him, he was not there. He was with the coaching staff. He had just as soon play golf with me as he had the president of the United States. Mm. He was not the least bit hung up on what Tom Landry had accomplished in what all he did. He was just another man having to be a football coach. It's almost sometimes you look at college players now, they're almost as much demanding now as the pro players are, Coach. Yeah, especially with all all the way they uh, – I'm just glad that, that my my coaching days in the college are over. I, <laughs> I, would, I would hate to have to say that I bought a player. Right. Back when I was coaching, if you bought a player, then he ended up on probation. Now it's legal, and uh, it's just really fouled up the game as far as I'm concerned. You probably wouldn't have – I can't speak for you. You probably wouldn't have any, have any fun in this era coaching football, college football, would you? Not not like it was when I coached it. When I, I, I just can't tell you how much I enjoyed college coaching. When I was coaching, I enjoyed the pros too. I enjoyed coaching the Cardinals. Uh, we just didn't have the success that that I felt like that uh, the Cardinal players deserved. But I thoroughly enjoyed coaching the Cardinals and and the relationships. Uh, uh, Charlie Tunis and the various people and Bernie Meckles and the 
and the people that that covered the Cardinals all the time. It's, it's all about relationships. In '96, you came in as was the head coach of the Cardinals. I think for four years, you're the only person ever to not the bad Bill Whitwell because, like you said before, he gave you a job. That's right. Yeah, you've never heard me say anything bad about Mr. Federal because he gave me a job and I didn't have one and I appreciated it. He was just a little different, but it was his football team and he could do what he wanted to. I'm going to jump around a little bit. You served on a lot of boards, but you served under President George Bush's commission on disabilities. Tell us about that. Well, it was a joy to to be on the disability board and uh, we would go to Washington and have board meetings from time to time, maybe three or four times a year. And I always appreciated uh, President Bush and what all he stood for. And uh, uh, his daddy, I, I knew both of them, and I knew George Jr. better than I knew his daddy, but uh, they were all outstanding people. Did you ever want to get into politics? No, I never did. <laughs> you know, they, they, they'll sell you a, a bridge when you don't even have a river to put it across. <laughs> What can you uh, – Alabama has their first game this weekend. And uh, I like what Saban said last year. Hell, we went to the national championship. But I was rebuilding last year. That wasn't my best team, you know. He uh, He's always a step ahead of everybody, Coach. <laughs> That's right. And, and what, a, what a great job he does, not only coaching them, but recruiting them. And uh, a lot of head coaches, their head coaches – the offensive coordinator runs the offense, and defensive coordinator runs the defense, but Coach Saban runs the football team. Hmm. That's what I appreciate about him. Do you guys ever sit down uh, in the past few years or recently sit down and just have a conversation, you and Coach Saban? Well, now, if, if you would go back and check, probably the reason Coach Saban is at Alabama was because of me. Hmm. Uh, Mal Moore was the athletic director. And uh, he had had a couple of bad hires, and he really needed to hire a good coach. So uh, I, I called him, and I, I said, Nick, I'm just telling you, you've got a good job where you are, but the people at Alabama are extremely hungry. They want a good football team. They want a good coach. Uh, Mal Moore is the athletic director, and but if you could coach there at Alabama, I think you'd be there for a number of years. So whether or not that had anything to do with his going there or not, I'm not sure, but it didn't hurt the situation any. What what makes a good – I mean, this is a simple question. What makes a good coach? Well, uh, you've got to be knowledgeable. Now, when I was coaching, I didn't have coordinators and uh, didn't have offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. I coached a football team. I had people that handled the defense when I wasn't there, and people that handled the offense when I wasn't there. But as far as putting in the game plan of somebody coming in and, and putting in a plan that, that I wasn't familiar with, uh, it was my football team. And uh, so I had coaches that, that worked on various areas of the field. But uh, With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When I was coaching, I ran the football team offensively and defensively. What makes the SEC... So good, so above all the other conferences. Is it the team and coaches? What makes them so good? Well, first of all, I think they've got uh, every SEC team's got a good coach, and it's just they make a lot of money by playing for the SEC, uh, so they're able to recruit extremely well, and uh, they they've just <clears throat> they've got good players that follow the SEC, and you. You know, everybody in the country knows about the SEC. There's a lot of Big Ten schools and so forth. People don't know anything about them, but they know something about the SEC. Let me ask you. Television every weekend, and and usually they're playing for the national championship. Somebody in the SEC. You know, I look at the the UC, USC's the UCLA teams like that are leaving their conferences. The coach at Oklahoma left. Last year to go to USC, he said he just he couldn't win in the SEC. Uh, what do you think about the the schools leaving to go to other conferences now? Well, they, they do it for the money, and uh, it's all about money. But not only do you have to support the football program, but you've got to generate enough income and support the the baseball program and the track program and the tennis program and the golf program and all that. So it's it's all about money. That the athletic directors now uh, are extremely well paid. When back back when I was coaching at A and M, I was also the athletic director. Not only I was the head coach, but I was the athletic director, and I wasn't 30 years old. Uh, now you have an athletic director that that oversees all the program. In fact, I told Mal Moore when he got his job as an athletic director, I said, Mal. If you don't watch somebody practice every day, you're making a mistake because you don't really know what somebody's saying to the player. You don't know how the coach is, is communicating with him unless you go to the practices. So I said every day when you're in Tuscaloosa, you need to see somebody practice. Coach, I'm, I, I, this is not a negative question at all. Uh, I'm looking at Tennessee. They're growing. They're recruiting. Arkansas Won nine games last year. They only won nine games three years for three years. They didn't win nine games for three years before that. South Carolina's getting good. Here in our state of Missouri, we had a good recruiting class. If schools like Missouri or Vandy don't win up to the expectations of the SEC, do you think nowadays will they remove them for the – because Florida State, they're trying to come in. What do you think about that? Well, first of all, the the league is – they support the other players in the league, and you can't imagine how much money Vanderbilt generates by being affiliated with the SEC. They don't really take anything to the table. They don't have great teams, but they're not going to leave the SEC because of the 
the amount of money uh, that they generate every year. And they're a big academic school, and that helps a lot, doesn't it? It does, and uh, I used to tell my players all the time, I said, if you want to please me, you just graduate. I'd like for you to be a good football player, but you've got to forget that you go to the University of Alabama for an education. You don't go there to play football. And uh, once once you get that education, then you, you're pretty well set. At least you'll have an opportunity to be set the rest of your life. We got one of your buddies coming on next Tuesday. We always go to the, I go to the old school. Barry Switzer comes on with us uh, next Tuesday. You know how Barry was as a coach. And Barry, uh, he did an outstanding job, did a good job with the Cowboys. Uh, I, as far as knowing him personally, extremely well, I never did. I always appreciated Barry for whatever, what he stood for, whether it's in the colleges or the pro ranks. Who were some of your, when you were coaching, who were some of your college coach, uh, pro coaches' friends that you knew you had high regards for? Well, uh, if I were coaching right now, Dabo Sweeney, you know, Dabo played for me, and also he worked for me, and what a what a great job he does coaching. Uh, I, I think, and I just my advice to him is stay in the colleges and don't go to the pros because, you know, that's where the money is primarily in, in pro coaching. But uh, as far as having lots of, of, of friends that I would talk to and, and uh, Pat Dye, we're going to be honoring Pat Dye uh, in, at Auburn. He, he, he coached at Auburn, and he was a friend of mine. Pat and I would visit from time to time. But as far as having a lot of people that I would talk to about offense and defense, I would visit with my staff about that. Right. Coach, I want to thank you for joining us. We wish you and your lovely wife the best of health. We're all getting young. We're old teenagers now, Coach. That's right. We're, we're getting long in the tooth. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm not too far from 90, but I still enjoy watching a good college game every Saturday. In fact, I'm ready for the season to start because I, can't wait. I, enjoy, I enjoy watching the pro game too, but I really enjoy the college game. Are you still on the circuit where you're giving speeches around the, around town still? Those, those days have sort of passed me by. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I make a speech occasionally, but as far as, as doing it the way I used to, uh, first of all, I'm, uh, uh, I begin, I'm getting where I forget things from time to time, so it's 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 better to listen to somebody that, that's a little, <laughs> little bit better than I am. I'm still forgetting things, and I'm on the radio every day, Coach, so don't worry about that. <laughs> listen, you don't forget much, my friend. All right, my friend. You're well-respected throughout the the league around the coaches, whether or not it's college or pros, they all know who you are, my friend. All right, Coach Gene Stallings, thank you very much, and let's go Bama. Listen, <laughs> let's have a good season. All right, thank you very much, Coach. We'll talk soon. Thank you. That was Gene That's Stallings, awesome. former head coach of the University of Alabama. He's the one that told – I didn't know he told Saban to take the job. I didn't either. That's awesome. He That's said he sent him time. down. He said he sent him down and told him to take the job at Alabama. I didn't know that. It's kind of hard to say no to Gene Stallings, too. That's funny. Set him down. We got a young man coming on. We're going to talk a lot of uh, physical therapy. And what's your name, sir? Let me have you pull up here. Now, are you a doctor or are you just a physical therapist? So it's actually I'm a doctor of physical therapy. Okay. 
So, how do you pronounce that last name? Uh, John Seashan. Okay, we're gonna Cishan. fix your mic. John Seashan, like C. Sean. There we go. Oh, mess it up. Don't worry. Yeah, will. <laughs> <laughs> a few more times. We'll get it down though. That's okay. We'll That's take okay. a time out. We like. That's a fun thing with Doctor. I mean, with uh, go again with Gene Stallings, having a good yeah, time. Yeah, that was here. excellent. I didn't know that about Stallings. You got to tell that to Frank. About uh, him, got him, Nick Saban. Yeah, Nick Saban to take the Sit job. Down, say, take this job. Else. They need you. He was going somewhere. He was, else. Wasn't he at uh, Miami and then he left my the Miami, Dolphins? Yeah, LSU. He was at LSU. And then he was going to at LSU and then he was going to go to Miami, the Miami Dolphins, and he signed with the Dolphins and then. You better stay here now. Yeah. Look where he's been. <laughs> Since then, you're right about that. Johnny Taylor will be right back. Welcome back to the Charlie Tuna Show, presented by Ameren, Illinois, on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Hello, welcome back to the Charlie Tuna Show. We get into our medical edition right now. Dr. John Shishan will be with us momentarily. This portion of the show is brought to you by the Baseball Corners. Don't forget, September 5th, Monday, is Afro-American Heritage Day. Afro-Americans Heritage Day returns to Bush Stadium on Monday, September 5th. With the purchase of a special-themed ticket, fans will also take home an exclusive cap designed by St. Louis artists and native. Brock Seals, for tickets or more info, visit cardinals.com slash theme. Also that day, they're going to give away a bucket hat for 25,000 people over 16 years of age while they're there. So September 5th will be very important at the ballpark. Once again, we'd like to thank Coach Gene Stalling. And folks, if you never heard of his name, you shouldn't be on the radio. Barry, Barry, you knew Barry, Barry Switzer when you first started. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Legend. Your, I know your parents did. Oh, yeah. So Barry Switzer, former head coach of Oklahoma. But let's go to uh, our guest. He works with the one and only Dr. Rick. Dr. Rick is on a bike ride. In Spain, right, Joe? Yes, yeah, what he said. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty nice yes, living. Got yes, loot there, baby. <laughs> there. <laughs> Seth, Seth's closest with us. Okay, introduce yourself and tell us about yourself. Well, uh, thank you guys for having me on the show. Oh, hold, on. hold on before you do that. One minute. Let me go to my. Uh, we got a guy. Well, on John's going to call back. Okay, go ahead. He wants to know more about. All right. She shines. <laughs> there we go. Now we're starting to get the name right. Well, um, like, uh, thank you guys for having me on. My name is uh, John C. Sean. Um, I'm a physical therapist, actually at Advanced Training and Rehab right in Kirkwood, so not too far away from the studios here. Mm-hmm. Um, originally from Chicago, as I warned you guys earlier on, I am a Cubs fan, Bears fan. That's all right. But uh, you're a Yankee fan. Yeah, I'm not not a Yankee fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Red Sox fan, so. All right, there we go. There we go. <laughs> but um, I actually came down here for uh, for school, SLU, mm-hmm. undergrad and grad school. Got my PT degree there, and 
and decided uh, St. Louis is a very nice place to settle down a little bit and I'm staying here and got a good gig working in uh, working in the Lou here. How was so. uh, how was uh, going to SLU? I know that that first year is a, it's a struggle for some people, and it depended on your degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that first year was uh, was definitely pretty pretty interesting uh, adjustment. But uh, you know, when you come from the city of Chicago and you go anywhere else, unless you're going to New York or San Fran, everything's so so small compared to that, mm-hmm. which is pretty nice. Doctor Rick and Carla, who runs the office there, they both recommended you. Holly says, first thing I want to talk about, Seth's going to have some questions as well as Joe. High school football, what do you treat? Then we'll throw the questions at What's your specialty? Well, uh, right now, I'm big into the orthopedics. So with high school football, as as you related, you know, we're seeing all sorts of shoulder injuries, hips, knees, elbows, ankles. Um, low back as well, but a little bit of everything in the realm of orthopedics. And obviously with Dr. Lehman, a lot of his patients are, you know, those hips, those knees, those elbows, those shoulders. But um, we, we we also do a little balance work as well, you know, with uh, patients that present with uh, present with Parkinson's and all sorts of different diagnoses. Really? Uh-huh. Yes. Yes, sir. So. You, you don't like to prescribe medicines or things like that, do you? Tell Perfect. me about that. Correct. I, I do not prescribe medicine that would be coming from a doctor uh, like Dr. Lehman himself. Mm-hmm. But um, my focus is just looking at, hey, you know, where we are, uh, our, our movement patterns, how can we adjust those, whether, you know, someone's injured, whether they're, you know, having too much loading on one area, how can we adjust those and get them moving in the optimal pattern so they recover from their injury and more importantly, they're better off after their injury than they were when they came in originally and before their injury. Uh, you're talking. You're just talking about patterns. Uh, how many people and how? Um, what am I trying to say here? How many people do not have correct posture and don't walk correctly? Is that something that you have to deal with to make sure people don't get injured again? <laughs> well, that you know, that's a great question because I, I, I would say that everyone has their own unique posture. Okay. You know, you learn it in the textbook and. And in school, they're like, well, you know, you need to follow this, this, and this. But uh, you get out in the real world, of course, nothing's perfect, right? Um, but you start to look and examine how different how different people move, and you categorize them okay. based on, you know, hypermobile, they have too much movement, or hypomobile, they don't have enough. And, you know, that's something that becomes pretty helpful. But uh, to answer your question, posture, there are all sorts of postures, and, and we, we look at each individual person and kind of go from there and design a plan cool. for them. I'd probably be your first patient in terms of posture. <laughs> um, what are the most common shoulder injuries in baseball and why? Um, with, with, with baseball, usually, you know, um, sorts of impingement um, is very common, and, and, and also any cu- rotator cuff tendonitis or, or is another kind of a common injury, and and as well, another one is uh, labral injuries, and and the reason you know all those, all those with baseball, especially when we're looking at youth athletes, they're usually you know I talked about categories hypermobile. They tend to have too much mobility, and it's it's not not every athlete, but usually they kind of mm-hmm. fall into that realm of they have too much movement, and we got to learn to you know turn some muscles on that are going to help to stabilize things and. And, and keep things, as I say, in control so they're not, you know, falling everywhere and throwing out of whack. My guest tonight, John Shishan, he's he's taking Dr. Rick's place. You know? 
<laughs> okay, this is a loaded question somewhat, and people don't realize what the answer could be. The most dangerous sports for kids is a baseball or is a football? That's a great question. Um, I would, I'd probably say, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a people great, think it's football always. You know, pe- people do think it, it, it's football, but I, I'm going to say that you know, baseball can be just as dangerous if you don't, you know, if you don't have the the right movement pattern down. If you don't even know what you're doing out there, that's that's the most important thing. And you know, sliding into a base and stuff. If you don't have your fundamentals down, it can be pretty dangerous. But I'd have to probably go more with football because of uh, because of you know the the high collision aspect of the sport. Right. But I, I think that we've done a lot better job in, in our culture these days with promoting, you know, having practices that aren't as full contact and keeping keeping kids kind of out of harm's way easily or um, easily and also just promoting, you know, better screening for concussions. That's something we've done a lot better job of uh, with our youth athletes, because th- those head injuries, when they come at a young age, can be pretty detrimental to kids uh, psychologically. And we have to really keep that in mind when we're dealing what with happens youth. in. High school football, I know in the pros, if you get a concussion, man, you got to, that's it. What happens if you get a concussion in high school football? What does the coach or AD or the team doctor, what does he do? Well, well, usually, you know, what, what happens is, uh, thankfully, we have, uh, all these schools have great athletic trainers that are, that they're on the ball with that. You know, they're, they're, they're seeing that firsthand that, you know, we identify kids that, that have, there's a big hit on the play, just kind of like in the NFL. Uh, in the NFL, when uh, the independent neuro consultant comes in and and flags the referee, you know. But uh, athletic trainers are kind of all over that in uh, in the high school sport and in the college sport as well, with getting those kids out, assessing them early, and making sure that we're taking it serious early on. Because if you if you don't if you don't see it early, kids can sometimes they'll go right back out there, unfortunately, and try to play hero. So. Are kids starting football at too young of an age? And if so, do you think what age do you think that they should begin? Um, I, I I don't think that you know we can pick a proper age because uh, most kids they they develop so independently of one another. You know, their body types develop in in different manners, and that's something we have to keep in mind. You know, when I was playing football at an early age, it was you know if you were over a certain weight, you had to wear a stripe on on your on your helmet, then you weren't allowed to carry mm-hmm. the ball or touch the ball. And I think rules like that are are, uh, are pretty important, you know. But um, I don't I don't think there's necessarily a right or a wrong wrong age to start, you know, to start football. But it, we have to just keep in mind, you know, kids grow so independently of one another, and their ages uh, their ages don't sign, don't sometimes tell the the true story mm-hmm. of that. Um, when you have a, some people just tend to roll their ankle more. Is there anything you can do to strengthen your ankle, or is it just something where you're just prone to have ankle injuries well that that's a great question and and we get that a lot from so many patients especially parents you know with kids that have sprained ankles you know every time that you sprain that ankle and it and that ligament regrows back you know it's a little weaker each time each time a little weaker so what we focus on in addition to to strengthening those muscles that are around it we focus on landing posture or postures that they're going to be in in that sport because if you can train you know and i'm not saying it's perfect right you know, no, 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 there's no way you can simulate what they're going to go do out in a football game or a soccer game. But if you can train those common movement patterns that they're going to be in, that is what is going to allow all those other muscles in their hip and their knee to stabilize that ankle. Folks, if you have any questions for John Shishan, doctor, you can call in tonight, of course, at 
1-855-282-8255. That's our toll-free number. This portion of the show is brought to you by Snooks. When we, we're going to take a top of the hour. When we come back, we're going to talk to them about parents, how tough they are, <laughs> who's the toughest, the mom or the dad, games. We're going to talk about basketball, girls' sports, because we have heard that uh, Dr. Rick has even said that one thing is tough in girls' sports is the soccer ball. It's so heavy. People, if you want to call in, we'll talk to them also about coronavirus, nutrition. What sport would he recommend if he had a son? We're brought to you by Snooks, friendly stores in the city of St. Louis. We'll be right back. Charlie Tuna Show, presented by Ameren, Illinois, on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. I'm Charlie Tuna, Seth Coach is closest here, Dr. Joseph Davis, John C. Sean. Is that right? Got He's it. Here. He's a doctor of physical therapy. We got Mark on hold. We got John on hold. Go ahead, Mark. Hey, John, congratulations on being on a wonderful program. Thanks, Dad. It's being broadcast in <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> What's your question? <laughs> My question, question. Well, you know, what a great program. What a great opportunity to talk about sports injuries for kids especially. And, and I uh, really applaud the work that's being done by athletic trainers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Um, And I think that you should concentrate on uh, the good things that they've been doing for student athletes to identify injury patterns, especially head injuries, so they don't develop cognitive uh, dysfunction going on in life. But thanks very much for the opportunity to call in. And uh, you're doing a great job, kiddo. All right, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks, Dad. So, a little background. He he's an ER physician up in Chicago. So really? he's got yeah. So Run he's got family, successful yeah. family yeah. roots. Yeah. So he he's got some experience. You know, with the uh, you know, any time growing up, someone got injured in a game, it was the first. He was so the first guy running on the field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, so he's he's been there. He's kind of done that, and so that's why, of course, yeah, Dad. Athletic trainers are are they're the they're the first step right there. You know, as. Uh, when an injury happens in any sort of sporting event in a high school, and especially with concussions, with young athletes, they are so critical to the care team. Getting getting those player people identified early and making sure that you know we get them taken care of so that they don't have any difficulties with school. Right, that's the the long term game right there. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I'm going to ask you, there therapist there. Uh, as you get older, which is more critical uh, as far as maintaining balance, flexibility? Or strength, which is which one is more common after people like uh, you know certain people there after sixty or sixty five. Another thing is if you have tight glutes and hips, uh, what are the what are the best exercises to get those hips moving so your back doesn't get affected? Actually, yeah, uh, John, uh, thanks for calling in. That that's a great question. And what I'd say is that probably strength and 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 strength and balance go hand in hand. There's been a lot of research. That shows uh, the the strength of your lower extremity and your legs actually can improve and reduce your fall risk and, and improve your time when you're completing a lot of these balance assessment tests that we have patients go through. So I, I'd say strength is just as important as balance, and they kind of go hand in hand because as you get older, you know, no one wants to fall. That's the big thing that can lead to a lot of uh, uh, a lot of problems. And uh, in addition to that, uh, your second question with glutes, uh, I love a nice piriformis stretch. Uh, that's gonna that's gonna reduce some of that tightness in in your in your low back there, as well as some of that those hips that can get pretty tight. So bringing that knee to that opposite shoulder. How do you know when you've torn your ACL? Whether it's feel, sound, is it something that you're trying to hear? Or, like it seems like when guys get hurt, when they feel they don't know it until they get treated. That's a great question, and and honestly, there there are a couple things you look for. There, we have some orthopedic exam tests manually. You know, between you know the hands on that the athletic trainer will do right right there uh, on the spot, um, and then uh, the orthopedic physician will do as well. But a lot of people with ACLs will report uh, a pop in their knee. Mm-hmm. That's uh, you know, I read a, a recent article, and it said about. Up to 60% to 70% of patients that have a torn ACL report that they felt a pop, an audible pop in their knee. And um, but, but the only way sometimes to be exactly certain, and you can ask Dr. Lehman this, is when you go in there with you know the arthroscopic surgery, MRIs are very, very, very good at identifying, but uh, sometimes you don't know exactly what's going on until they bring the arthroscopic uh, uh, tool inside the knee there in surgery. Go ahead, Nicole. Nico, you're on there. Hey, Dr. Sishan? Yes. Yeah, go uh, right in. Go ahead, you're there. I was just going, uh, calling in to ask, um, you know, what's the best way to prevent back injuries um, 
from previous buildups through years of sports and carrying it on into, you know, adult life. Um, what are the best exercises to prevent it and stop, you know, lingering pain? Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for thanks for giving us a call here, Nico. And uh, and to answer your question, uh, what I focus on with any any patient that has reoccurring back pain is core stability. And and you know we you know PT school they talk about there's so many different exercises, but you know just being able to engage uh, your deep core, your transverse abdominal muscles controlling you know controlling movement with your core and and also uh, realizing how important the strength is in your, in your low back muscles as well but activating those muscles and and improving their endurance is what's going to really help from those symptoms of reoccurring back mechanical back pain as we call it hey well this thursday night is our medical edition you know at six forty-five, we have dr rick lehman on every thursday and we have a good time I got a two-part question. At age 30 and at age 40, who's the oldest, a man or a woman? It's a great question. Great question. Um, so I, w- I would say that at age 30, um, I- I'd say the, the, the 30-year-old is, um, is, is the younger of the two. Your, um, your mother's listening now. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Clearly, my dad's listening, as we as we just heard. But um, you know, at age at age forty, they are anatomically they're the older person, and because of that, unfortunately, those ten years of, of gravity working on the body against a woman or a man, a man. Yeah, in the men. Man, a man overall gets older than a woman because of his body makeup. Yes, yes. Why is that? Can you explain that a little bit? Well, um, one thing is because us us men, uh, we we tend to, you know, men put on weight in a different pattern from women. And, and because of that, we usually men are, they put on their, their weight, their excess, their, their excess fat in the body, in the central area of their body. And, and what's going to happen there is you're going to have a little bit more risk of heart disease, stroke, um, and cardiovascular disease because of the way that men store fat. Whereas uh, women, when they store fat, it's more peripheralized and it's going to be more on their arms and their legs. And it's not necessarily uh, pushing on those uh, those critical tissues in the in the center of their body, like their heart and their uh, cardiovascular veins and arteries and all that. And men don't go to the doctor like a woman will, will they? That's also the big thing. I mean, you can ask my dad who calls in. He himself doesn't even go to the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) And he is one. But, um, (laughs) but, you know, just... Uh, oftentimes men just, you know, they think, ah, you know, I'm, I'm fine. You know, I'm feeling good. And then, and they keep pushing it off, keep pushing it off. And, and whereas women are more likely to go out there and reach out to go to the doctor and do what they should be doing. (laughs) What are some of the best ways to prevent wrinkles as you age? (laughs) (laughs) Great. Great. That was coming. That's a good question. That's a a great question. Does it have anything to do with race? Stress. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, that's such a multifactorial answer right there, I'll be honest with you guys. But stress, one component, of course. Um, you know, keeping good skin care, I'd say, is another critical thing. You want to make sure, you know, whether you're hydrating your skin, but also when you're going out in the sun that you're using, you know, you're using your sunscreen to, you know, to prevent skin cancer. Of course, that's, that's very important as you get older. But um, I, I'm a firm believer in eating healthy too is a component of uh, as well you know having a uh, that's that's a personal belief of mine that that there isn't a ton of research out there to support that but just eating well 
and maintaining a good diet and exercise is also going to help with aging properly. Does your diet affect your uh, ability to stretch in your ligaments? Yes, um, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I, I can't, uh, again, another thing that you can't say that there's exact research out there to support, but I, I would say that, you know, if you're, you're talking about uh, two athletes, one who's well hydrated, well rested, eating a good balanced diet, and you have the other person who just shows up, had their McDonald's. You know, I'm not saying McDonald's is bad, but I love it too. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take the take the person who's healthy, well rested. That they're gonna be they're gonna be a little bit more flexible, and they're more importantly gonna perform better in their sport that day. I very seldom call athletes great. I think the word love and great are the most overused words in the, in the vocabulary. But Serena Williams is great. Mm -hmm. How agree. can a woman? Have a baby, and man. We say, oh, well, she, I don't mean that she had a baby because man, I want a man to go have a baby and see how he feels. How can she <laughs> can man, have a baby? Then she had lung problems, didn't she, Joe? Did she have a blood clot or something after that? So you talking Serena? Serena, yeah. She had a blood clot early on in her career that went to her lungs. Yes. Mm -hmm. Then she had a baby. How does a woman maintain <laughs> that? That just shows you her body is a different metabolism than a man. Yes, and. Uh, Again, individualized, right? You know, everybody's different, but you look at Serena Williams, you know, she's got that it factor. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's the most important right. thing. You know, you know, in, at the end of the day, she's just like Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant going at three AM to get his workouts mm -hmm. in. You know, she she's another one of those that just has that, that factor that's gonna do whatever it takes to That to happens in high school sports as well. That kid that works out we got a guy that comes on our show uh, once in a while, Alvin Miller. Mm -hmm. Back, what is it, 30, 40 years ago, he was the number well, one. Wasn't that rated. long ago. Well, was it? Long, no, it was 30. He played he with was, Tim uh, Brown. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, <laughs> I remember day. watching Tim Brown. Okay. He was the number one rated high school athlete in the country mm -hmm. that year. Luther was the number one wide receiver, but this guy was the number one athlete overall. I mean, he's gained a few pounds, but he still looks like – he doesn't look as, look old, does he? No, he doesn't. <laughs> he does not. I want those genetics. Right? <laughs> Where'd you find out how old I am? Yeah. <laughs> no one will ever know. That's for sure. <laughs> Talk about diet. Diet. What should we eat? What should we eat? Well, uh, you know, I a lot of people like to complicate diet that. sometimes. You know, I, I think actually kind of comes down to the word itself, right? You don't want to look at it as diet. You want to look at it as a lifestyle, mm -hmm. you know, because if you're not going to if you're not going to commit to a lifestyle, then whatever you're going to be doing is going to be short lived and you're just going to revert back to your old old way of doing things. Mm -hmm. But but I think, uh, you know, the old the old stories that our parents tell us of everything in moderation when mm -hmm. we're growing up, I think it, mm -hmm. it just applies so well. Right. You know not having too much fast food. You know, of course, everyone's going to have fast food. That's normal, right? You know, there's no reason to avoid that. But but when you're doing that, maybe making some small choices of, hey, let's uh, let's get the grilled chicken sandwich instead of the burger every once in a while. You know, making mm -hmm. those, those little choices that make the difference because they're also going to make it sustainable. Because long-term, if, if you want to keep that body or whatever your goal is in mind, it's got to be sustainable sustainable and we always talk about that in physical therapy as well uh, what's your opinions on uh cupping and ice baths and then also i guess massages and things like that after after you've competed in a, an event recovery is so important right and those are all those are all different 
modalities and mechanisms of recovery. And you talk about youth athletes, and I, that's something you know I tell all my youth athletes that I work with. We got to recover better because it's something that no one else is really thinking about is, oh, you know, I'm just going to go home, going to play video games, you know, going to go eat some snacks, you know, just hang out and maybe get, you know, six hours of sleep. If you are recovering well, that puts you, especially at a young age, that puts you at such an advantage in athletic competitions and just overall wellness of being able to perform better on the field and in the classroom in the end. How important is sex? To your health, or is it does it have play a role at all? Uh, gender or uh, <laughs> oh, okay. you can break it down. Oh, okay, okay. So I I, I would say that <laughs> <laughs> when you come on this yeah, show, you never know. Show, <laughs> yeah, I, I, as I was gonna say, are we talking gender or are we talking about the other thing here? Yeah. No. Um, well, it's it's a component. You know, when we talk about genders, you know, male, female, sex, all that. I think that you, know, you married. Uh, I am engaged, actually. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, is I know. She listening? Uh, she probably. She, she probably uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be careful. Walk, but, walk, walk lightly, brother. Yeah. No, <laughs> no but I, I'll say it's a hey, it's a it's an important component of of everyone's life, right? That's why we're all here, right? Mm-hmm. So right. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's why we're here right now. People so. don't realize that it's in the Bible. Yeah. That's why you were here. To be fruitful and multiply. Right. Be fruitful. <laughs> To produce, <laughs> produce the right way. Right. So. Does sex before a sporting event on the same day does that does that help or hurt you or or nothing? I I I can't speak on any sort of uh, research that's out there. That I did okay. a research on that. Oh, 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 you did. I did a research Personal? on that oh. years ago. <laughs> no, I did it with actually I did it with Muhammad Ali. Okay. Years oh, ago, yeah, I remember that's yeah. yeah. I did it with him. And what happened is when a boxer now Johnny Rowland, one of the ex football coaches, he'd been an mm-hmm. ex NFL coach for years, he says that the reason one of the reasons why they make the players go to a hotel before the night before is to make them relax. And some coaches do it because of sex. But he said really sex doesn't bother you. Now when Muhammad Ali used to fight, he used to fight and he had a training camp up in Deer Lake. Uh, I, forget, was in, I forget it was in New York. And he said they were told as a boxer, sex was the worst thing you could do before a fight. It would take away some of your strength. Football, some of the football coaches <laughs> said no. no. And he said he was still, he was, they would stay away from sex before a fight. For a fighter, it was, a, it was a, not, not a good thing to do. I don't know if there's been research on it. I don't know. They did it on sports science a while back with a boxer, Joe. Do you remember that? <laughs> it was. It was. I forgot the guy's <laughs> name. I thought they said that it helps. It enhances your your energy mm-hmm. and it makes you more ready. Yes, yeah, it, it seems like that's what the Johnny Rowland said. Now Alinum said it. It was a detriment to them, but that was. I don't know. It's it's um, what, what I can say is that one of the things we do know about it is that it does increase testosterone production. Right. Right. And, and you go to the metabolic, the science of that. And usually there's an improvement, uh, improving in, in performance level if you have increased testosterone. But again, the research huh. out there is just so, so minimal. I used to get testosterone shots every other week. I know because they have to check your blood and all mm-hmm. that to make sure you're healthy. Now, mm-hmm. I'll now get them every week and I feel like a new man. <laughs> I mean, I get up on the, um, and 
Because if you don't, if you suffer from low T, it really can affect a man more than it can a woman. Correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah, and uh, and it, it can really, yeah. you know, it can really affect mood, right? And mm -hmm. and and that's why you know we talk about active lifestyle, being fit. You know, you know, testosterone can be boosted by working out, and you know, physical comes back to physical therapy, physical fitness, right? And that's a great way to kind of boost things up and score. get things. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, even the Louisiana Tech, I think, is getting ready to score. They're marching. They're third one, and what they at? They're the almost. Oh, they're almost in the red zone. <laughs> oh my God! I'm just um, go ahead, Jenna, go ahead. Uh, no. <laughs> the I John Shishon, doctor, will be with us till about seven thirty. Then we're gonna let Seth and Joe. Joe, of course, will host the show. We'll let him take over. Of course, I'll leave early on Thursday night. Dr. Rick every walks night. me to my car. He's my bodyguard. We say every night. <laughs> you scared of that empty parking lot. No pay. <laughs> right. uh, Burger will be, be, be back with us on Tuesday. Remember, sh there's no show Monday because of the holiday. A lot of people are going down to see the Cardinals and having a good time. Luther Burton has been in the game. I think he's caught one pass so far. They threw a stupid little bubble screen. That's the only place they Still run. The field, man. You just wanted him. To, what's the point of making him touch the ball if he's only going to gain one bubble yard? Screen. What's the point of bringing him to the damn they, they ran a bubble screen to the short <laughs> side of the field. Like, come on. If Saban had him, where do you think he'd be right now? Third Celebrate. on the depth chart. Actually, he probably wouldn't be. He'd be returning. No, he wouldn't be third on the depth chart. Burton? With, with the Alabama? Oh they got God. tough. He'd be returning punts and kick, kick returns for sure. Be third on the depth uh, in the receiving core. No, he wouldn't be third that's, on the depth chart. That's what I was referring to. Okay. No, he wouldn't be. They got, a, um, they got four young true receivers. Freshman. They got real young receivers. They, they got do. real young receivers. It's not receivers. the same receivers as last so year. But I he, think he, he, would, he would be playing because he, he was down there. Last year he may have been. It would be a competition, though. Yeah, it would still be a competition. They always got somebody. Saban is not going to bring. The number one wide receiver. Yes, right, recruit, and not play him down to Alabama and put him on the third string. You're right. Ain't happening. You're right about that. That's that, fair. That, that don't happen because all them other recruits are looking at yeah, that. No, 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 no. That's a great point. That's Boy. a bad move for saving. He would be third. He'd be returning punts or kickoffs. He'd be playing. He'd be. Uh, they wouldn't have ran a bubble screen. Like no, hell that. no. Saving would have had him going down the field to catch the ball. No, he wouldn't have been on the third string. If he wouldn't have been the number one wide receiver in the country. Because remember, folks, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State are still recruiting this young man. Absolutely. People think it's all oh, over. No, yeah. it's not. Let them lose this game. <laughs> See, I told you not to go down there. If they lose or if the game is close. If it's close, they're going to call him after the game. Son. They're going to text, a tweet, something. Oh, my God. I we got a long season. I don't know why he go to Alabama. Oh my God! Remember that day he said, and then he said on TV, "But my my dream school was my favorite school was Alabama." Alabama. But I wanted to stay home, be close to the family. All right, we got a few minutes left. We'll be right back. This portion of the show we brought to you by Snooks. Don't forget now the holidays are coming. Barbecues coming. Labor Day. Go to get all your barbecue needs from Snooks.
Welcome back to the Charlie Tuna Show, presented by Ameren, Illinois, on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Hey, don't forget now, it's barbecue season. The season has died down a little bit, but you know, I barbecue all year long, year even right. in the wintertime. I go out on my deck. I can't go on the deck anymore because I'm going to burn it up in the apartment complex. <laughs> call the police. <laughs> they call the police. Yeah, You're man, lucky you made it out. My neighbor downstairs come knocking on the door. And he was a foreigner. I didn't know what to say. What you saying? He said, your deck's on fire. I said, oh, well, speak up, man. I didn't understand what he was saying. <laughs> I went outside. My deck was smoldering, man. <laughs> you left the hot coals on? Uh-oh. Left the hot coals on. They threw the ball down the field. Was that Duluth? It was Duluth. And they, they covered him, baby. They doubled him. Mm-hmm. All right. This portion brought to you, of course, by Snowstorm. Oh. We like to say hello to the most important person next to Dr. Rick at his office. She may be mm. the most Carla. I know you want to say hi to Carla. Carla, uh, just uh, just thank you for this opportunity, uh, for thinking of me, and just appreciate you a lot. And you, uh, you're a lot of fun to deal with every day. She is something <laughs> else, man. She runs it. She, I mean, she she's the Serena Williams of doctors. She's the greatest. And Jackie Joe, because she knows. Because you guys work on Jackie John, you know who she is. Yep. All right, let's take another, another time. So we just got back. We <laughs> just got back. Uh, we're getting ready to leave. We always ask Dr. Rick. I'm getting ready to leave. You and I, we're going to leave Joe and Seth. We always, final question with Dr. Rick every week is, give us a health tip, a helpful tip for the next week. Well, I, I'd say that uh, this next week, especially, you know, get outside people you know the weather we're transitioning into the fall and you know as the winter comes you know it's gonna be a lot a lot harder to get outside and get that vitamin d so make sure every day you're going out you're getting your 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 30 minutes of sunshine if you can and uh and taking advantage of the good weather we have because as someone who was born and raised in chicago you know it's not gonna last here and and take advantage of this beautiful weather while we got it so what about coronavirus real quick (laughs) it's here to stay in uh, Seems I, like it. Uh, obviously, it's here to stay. And, you know, from our perspective in physical therapy, we just got to focus on getting people back afterwards and rehabbing them back to where they were before they. Is it. What happens to people? I know this is not your specialty. I don't want to put you on the spot. People that are not vaccinated but catch coronavirus, they have less chance. If you're older, 
you catch it, but you're not vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, does it help you heal quicker? Uh, it, it appears from all the research that's that that's out there that if you're if you if you do if you're vaccinated and you do contract it, that the, the symptoms are a little bit more mild and and because of that, your recovery is is a little bit easier. So uh, I got one, one quick question: How come um, if you're if you're bedridden or if you're uh, in a coma for a couple of days, how come it's so hard for you to reco- uh, to rehab that? How come you have to go through so many steps? Well, uh, I always tell patients, you know, if you bed rest uh, for every, you know, two hours of bed rest, it takes twice that time of oh, wow. up movement to get that get that energy and, and their yeah. strength and 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 all their your muscle activity back to where it was. Oh. So that's something to always keep in mind. You know, even if you're just a normal person who's been out of it from a week from the flu, you know, you're going to be recovering for the probably the next two and a half weeks to get back to your athletic performance oh, wow. that you were at. So, all right, we're gonna uh, even we're gonna turn things over to Joe Davis. He'll take over now. Of course, I leave early most days, but especially on Thursday. Who leaves the most? Frank I. Who leaves the most? Uh, Frank wasn't here at all on Tuesday, so <laughs> and I don't even know where he was at. He just told me Monday. He said, like, "I'm not going to be here tomorrow." When you're Frank Cusimano, <laughs> you can do that. He's like, "You got it." And I was like, "Yeah, you can do." He that. didn't even ask me what guest I had. He just said, "You got it." I, was like, I know right. you guys going to talk a lot about college football. So tomorrow or today, tonight? Today, oh, so I thought you were talking about with Frank show tomorrow. Well, Frank, you got a show tomorrow. Oh yeah, Howard, Howard Richards is at the game right now. He'll call in and give us a update okay. of the game. <laughs> yeah, I know he's probably a little stressed right now. Oh, it's got to be. Yeah, they he's thought they'd be up by 10 or 20 I, points. Yeah, and I've been telling people all week and last week, Mizzou does not play well in their fir- like that first half of the of week one. They never do. I'm already regretting not taking plus 20 Louisiana Tech. The, yeah, well, I mean, the they spread. may say it's good early, but they may still get there. But yeah, I've seen them struggle against SEMO in the first half before. Really and that wasn't that long ago. Three years, two or three years yeah. ago, SEMO almost beat them. Yes. And, and then, but in the second half, they kind of pulled away. They'll figure it out and win, but I, I don't know. It was going to be close if they cover. I mean, the way I, from some of the things I've seen in this game already, they look a little. Uh, What's the point spread? 19 and a half. It was 20 and a half. They, they jumped it up another whole point. Did they really? Yeah, it's 19 and a half. It was 19 and a half last time I checked. They jumped it to okay. 20 and a half. Okay. And That'd be crazy. And that one point is big. That was super now. big. That's yeah. Super big. All right. That's the, yeah, because oh, that, that 20 and a half, that's, that's three touchdowns. Yeah, that can change a lot. Uh, but Mizzou, the way they're looking, it's going to be real interesting to see what they're going to do in the SEC. Uh, I know I know. Frank Cusimano show uh, today. We had Dennis Dodd on, who is a Mizzou alumni, and he had Mizzou. He was struggling to find six wins for Mizzou. So it's going to be real interesting. He was too nice today. You think so? Mizzou. Yeah. He's he usually he extremely harsh. We had some text lo- texters text in and say, you guys make sure you hold him accountable because he's usually harsh on Mizzou. Oh, is, okay. He's yeah, usually he harsh. A few weeks ago, he was good. You're yeah. right. You're right. So, but he, yeah, he said he was struggling to find six wins for Mizzou. So it's going to be real interesting to see. But Wait a if, They didn't score? Oh my God! No, they did that deep pass and they got knocked down. So then they had to punt. Yeah, that was no. good defense. It was that good was, defense. That was but, good play. I mean, I get it. You got the number one receiver in the country, but you got eleven guys, other guys on that field. For sure, you, don't you can't just it. you can't force it. I mean, oh. you got to give them the ball, but oh. you can't force no, no, it. Let's straighten you both. Yeah, you can't force it. They're doing. Did you not? Oh. Some of these plays they're running is like you can't. He ain't the number one receiver in the country anymore. No. Okay, you're right. You're right. He was as a recruit. You're right. He used to be. He used to be. You're right about that. Yeah. <laughs> now he's, he was the number one high school wide receiver. I'll give you that. But I think you, can, you can't just give him the ball. I, I get people want to see him get eight to ten touches a game, but you got to do it strategically. You can't just give him a drive where you give him the ball three straight times. Yeah. Safe to say this is the most hype a receiver's ever gotten at Mizzou since what, DGB? Yes. But he's, he's not DGB. No. I hate to say it. Not, not by size. 
maybe the hype, but DGB had the the physique of a of an NFL ready receiver yes, as soon as he I came agree. in. But I've seen some people comparing uh, Luther Burns' potential to Debo Samuel. That's a good one. Which I think it would be pretty yeah. good if he could be that a type versatility. versatility. Yeah, be able to no doubt. run the ball out of the backfield, be able to do wide receiver screens and reverses, things like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they, which we've seen them do a little bit already with Luther Burton, is just get the ball in his hands and see what he can do. And I hate to jump the gun. He's young, but a lot of people are saying he's immature a little bit. I don't, I, I can't confirm that, but I do know that people have been, that that a lot of times you've been hearing that he's he's kind of been wanting the ball yeah. and getting, you know, all this. And uh, I don't know. You never heard that about DGB. Yeah, but I you mean, never... to, to Luther's, I don't want to say to his on to, on his behalf, but I guess he's been called TD Luther since he was in eighth grade. He's always been the best player on the field. I guess that kind of once you're not getting the ball when you're used to getting the ball all the time and getting throw to you every single time, and now you you're not getting it. That is definitely an adjustment, especially when you're 17, 18 years old. That's something you're gonna have to adjust to, especially when you're going up against a 21 year old corner right. who's a grown man and has his has a little bit more muscle than you. He'll mature. He'll be, oh, I absolutely. think he'll he'll still be a stud. He'll he'll make it to the league. We know that. But what does that say about Drinkowitz recruiting him? Because really, as far as I know, I don't I don't know how many five star recruits Odom got. No, because that was was Pinkle still yeah. there when Beckner signed with him? Yes, because that was like right at the that tail like end the of, end. of that was Pinkle. Like his last, yes. Yeah, and then DGB obviously. You're but, right. But yeah. I can't think of anybody that Odom got. No, Odom, no. How, how many people did Odom recruit that that Odom, Drinkowitz Barry Odom inherited? Wasn't really a uh, Brady Cook. That's true. That's about yeah. <laughs> That's not good enough. <laughs> exactly. <I'm sorry>. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean they he did really well with the defense. He did well with with Nick Barry, Bolton. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, you, and I mean look at, look at Arkansas. Like, right. He, he went in and there he, and he's a defensive coordinator. Maybe he's just not a head coach. He's a defensive coordinator. He's a coordinator, and there's nothing wrong with that. Even the years that they were having down years, and they were like, "Man, Arkansas is going to smack them." He he had a good record against. I think they won. Oh, yeah. They won five straight against Arkansas up until last season. So they, when he was with them or with Mizzou, he was doing really well against Arkansas, and it was yeah. But he still it was, had. He, it, they were still yeah. bad. I'm, they still I, had I'm Drew Lock saying, though. I, yeah. <laughs> At least they had an NFL quarterback. Yeah. So that helps a little bit. And they did have a little bit of controversy. He had that Maddie Mock and all that situation. There was a little bit of, mm-hmm. it was a little. But he, from everything I've known, Barry uh, Barry Odom wasn't the biggest recruiter. He wasn't like a salesman like yeah. Eli is. I mean, Eli kind of gives you that used salesman kind of yeah right pitch. right. Just but but that's just because the type of person he is and where he just the way he was raised and stuff. So, but he does seem like a personable guy. Since I've been alive, since we've been alive, really, I can't think of a, a more rah-rah college coach than Eli. As far as he is super you look rah-rah. at, you look at Garrett Pinkle, not really. Odom, not really. Who was before Pinkle in, in 2000? You know, it's yeah. <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's true. Man, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what's going to happen this season, especially the way they've been struggling in this first half. But last year, Mizzou was three and five in the conference. They were six and seven overall. So, so you said the over under for them was what five, five and, and a half, half? Five and a half. That's gonna be tough, man. I did look. The thing is, though, is that they could rip off four straight wins to start the season. I know. Yes. So I, I looked I agree. a little bit into Kansas State, and Kansas State uh, did not beat anybody over five hundred in the Big Twelve last year. So they lost to both, both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. They lost to Iowa State, Baylor, and then they lost to Texas, who was under five hundred. So all their wins mm-hmm. that they got were against really bad teams. I know they they're a little better would, at home. I would argue, yes, they are. They like are. they beat they beat mm-hmm. Oklahoma with Spencer Rattler in Kansas State two years ago. 
during the COVID season. Yes, they do. They, they'll be Oklahoma so it's, every it's now not easy then. to go in Manhattan and win. But I, I do actually, the more I think about it, because weeks ago when we were talking about it, I was saying that they were going to win. That was going to be a big win for them. And they were going to, or that, I'm sorry, I was saying that Kansas, Kansas State, State was going to get that that win. And p- people that were Mizzou fans were kind of going to step past them, overlook them. But I don't think you can right, right now just with the history. Uh, but the more I think about it, you know, I could see them ripping off four straight wins, honestly, because it's all, it's all non-conference. Right. And then when they get into the conference, that's where it's all going to even out. But they should beat Vanderbilt. Uh, they, so, so okay. So you're gonna give them the first three games. You give them Auburn too. So they're gonna be Auburn. You're gonna have them going. Is that the third game? Auburn is the fourth game. The fourth game. I'll give them against. I'll give it to them against Auburn. I so, will. Yeah, I'm going four and zero. Four and zero against Georgia. And then they'll beat Vanderbilt. So, wait, oh, so that's uh-huh. five. So they'll lose to Georgia. So that's lose four Georgia. And one. Lose to Tennessee. They have Florida next. Lose to Florida. So then that's four and two. Then they have Vanderbilt. They'll win that. That's a win. That's five and two. South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That's the tough one right there, too. That's I, I will say they, they, okay, I'll say they either beat South Carolina or they beat Auburn. They probably, they I don't think win they'll win both. both. I agree. Yeah. I agree with I don't that. Want, and then they play New Mexico State at the end of the season, correct? Second to last game. The last game right. of the season is Arkansas. So and you're I think, right. I think that's a win. Against Arkansas? No, no, no. Against, oh, against, against New, New Mexico? Mexico State. So we have will, one, two, four, five, six wins. Arkansas is too good. Yeah, about six. Yeah. If they can upset one of these teams. They can get to the six wins. Am I going to take the over, like betting on Bet US? Right. No, yeah, I, mean, I ain't doing it. If it was at five, because I'm going to be it. wrong about one of them. Exactly. If it was at five, I would take it. But that that five and a half means they got to win six games. That means they're going to have to beat Auburn and South Carolina. But going back to that's going to be tough. Going back to Drinkwood. So people are saying if he doesn't do well this year, he's in the hot seat. I think he already is in the hot seat. In you my think, opinion. Well, my thing is, what was he given other than maybe Roundtree and Beatty? Aside from You're that, right, yeah. he, he wasn't him, really handed a whole lot. You're supposed to give them at least and three then I guess he got classes. that. I guess his one year was with Bolton, with Nick Bolton. Yep. I think he had one year with him. Mm-hmm. But in totality, that, that roster was not deep enough. So you're right. Next so, year would be his third recruiting class. you got to at least give him that. So that's my thing is why put a guy in the hot seat when he when he was handed minimal amount of talent? Because the you SEC. Know? I understand. But then but the next guy is going to come in, and, yeah, he might get burdened. I don't know. I just feel like. I, I agree with you. I'm just saying as – when you yeah. when you add the SEC into it, people are kind of become irrational. I get that. Like LSU is all Auburn. Those schools are so irrational. If Ch- if Brian Kelly loses two games oh, as screwed. LSU, he's going to get some pressure. I don't think he's going to last. There. Yeah, he got fired from Notre Dame for will. losing one game. So yeah, <laughs> he he gave me a bad taste in his mouth when he got his Hick voice in when he started uh, doing his Hick voice uh, at the LSU uh, basketball game. Uh, uh, Count me out. Yeah, uh, that's not going to work out. He doesn't really seem tough. like an SEC type of guy either, so <laughs> he's going to get ate up. That's going to be funny. But, uh, yeah, uh, Eli Drinkwitz, I was listening to his press conference that he had on Wednesday, and he didn't really give me an air of confidence with this season. I mean, he said you can't really take last year into account. He says it's a new canvas, clean slate. Mm-hmm. He's like, I really can't tell you what we're going to get offensively or defensively. He's like, all I can really say is, we are deep at the receiver position, and we're probably going to lean on those guys more than anything. Yeah, that's the concern, though. It's like if Brady Cooks doesn't pan out, then that's that's the biggest worry. And then these these new running backs, they got a true freshman out of DeSmet with Taj Butts. Yeah, uh, but actually, where's he on the depth him. chart? I think he's second behind Elijah Young. And then third is is Cody Schrader. Schrader the, yeah, the, the true state. But that, you know, that's kind of an enigma right there. And and it's going yeah. to be committee, which you, you think about it like, most of the, the SEC running backs, historically, like the good teams, committee. they got that one 
hard-nosed running back aside from Georgia. You're right, you know they how had that Georgia's one hard-nosed running back, and then they got that little fast guy. Exactly, but they usually have that one, like the Leonard Fournette, right. stuff like that, mm-hmm. and and hard to say Mizzou's going to get a guy like that or like somebody of that talent level. Um, but last but it's year, tough. you got to figure it out quick because yeah. if they're just rotating guys, if, they, if, the, but, if they're putting in the worst guy every third game. But, I mean, they had Tyler Beatty last year who led the SEC in rushing, and what did it really get them? Right, exactly. So, no, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> so it's, it's one of those situations like, man, yeah, you, Maybe you got to bolster that offensive line. You got to get, which they, I think they have been doing a little bit, especially mm-hmm. on the defensive line. Because if your front seven's not there, you're not going to win any SEC game. Agreed. You're just going to get beat up. You might as well go back to the the Big Twelve or the or the Big Ten. But it, I will say they go six and seven again this year. I agree with that. I think I think, and I'm pretty sure I said they win six games when we they were talking about it a few games. weeks ago. Yes, I would feel it. It would have to be terrible quarterback play for them not to win six games. I think mm-hmm. the defense is going to be better. Now, the secondary is way better than it was last year, so the secondary made an improvement. I don't know about that front seven though. That's yeah. that's the real question mark because, and we're gonna see tonight against uh, LA Tech because they don't have a great running game last year. If you look at their stats, they're one of the worst teams running the ball last year. So it's gonna be interesting to see if they can gash Mizzou. If they're gonna be able to run on Mizzou, then it's, then it's not gonna be a good thing. Yeah. That means it's, when they get into SEC play, they're gonna get gashed. Yeah, and you always see it every year where these teams go four and one non-conference or playing these weak teams, and everybody gets hyped up. Everybody says, "Oh, this is the year. This is where they're going to do something." Right. And then they go against Georgia, or they go against we we they struggle with Kentucky, man. Kentucky's I don't know, good. I don't know, they are, but man, they that's a team that's that, that they just because they beaten Florida mm-hmm. before they beaten you know they've they've beaten they most struggle, of the teams in that in that conference, and they struggle against Tennessee too. Tennessee, yeah, yeah. And they got to go into Knoxville yes. this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, so. I think of the last two years. I think the score was like ninety three to to uh, thirty something. If you put up the scores from the last two seasons, so hey, look, Tennessee uh, just beats us down. Tuna's boy just got a touchdown. If I'm not mistaken, is that was that? Uh, it looks to be Schrader. Was it really? I think. Oh yeah, that is. <laughs> wow, they gave him a little bit of confidence. Tuna, come hey, back. Hey, that was a wide open hole though. So yeah, hey, there come you go. Come back. But that's uh, funny. Yeah, I know what. Uh, I know exactly what Frank's gonna be talking about tomorrow. But that's. <laughs> That's going to be the key thing, right? Who's going to be the middle field running back? Who's going to be the goal line guy? It's okay to run a committee. Yeah, it's just like I, you just got to know you, you got to know where they where they are, and they're they're going to have to figure that out quickly, though, because I don't know. I'm just I'm just concerned of how it's going to work against these these big time defenses in the SEC. You know, it's going to work against El Tech and and you know and New Mexico Evelyn State Christian and, and Abilene Christian exactly, yeah, but it may work against Vanderbilt too. But they, I mean. I will say mm-hmm. this, whether whether Drinkwitz gets fired, whether they go six and seven, let's say that all happens, I still believe in two to three years from now, they'll they'll be a winning team. I'll make that claim. Really? I think I think if they can keep they recruiting. Have, if they can exactly and if they can get the right coach, they always usually get you know, an East St. Mm-hmm. Louis five star guy every five years or so. They usually get a they're usually fighting for a for a five seed in St. Louis, like a big name. They're always, they're always, they're trying. They've but it's been, just tough when Notre Dame and Alabama are calling too. Yeah, and Ohio you know, State's it's, calling. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. you're right about so. that. And they lose a lot of Mac. They lose a lot of uh, some good time from the to the MAC conference too. You'd be surprised. You'd be like, man, they're St. Louis people all over, mm-hmm. all over the country, and you just don't understand how they they don't get to stay home. Yeah, that, that's always crazy. Especially uh, what was the receiver from St. Mary's, the four star receiver out of St. Mary's wow. that went to uh, that went to Jackson State. That you can't lose that. You can't lose that type of player. I yeah. mean, I get it. He's going to Dion. go. He's going to Dion, so that's kind of hard to recruit against. Mm-hmm. But your Mizzou and your facilities are ten times better than what's at Jackson State. There's no way you can't. You, I 
But I guess also he didn't have a great relationship with Luther Burton. So I could see why he didn't choose Mizzou. But that's one of those things where you got to make sure that guy stays in-house. The other thing, too, right now with Mizzou, if you are a five-star recruit going there, you're getting in there right away. Oh, you don't, yeah, don't got to sit behind in the depth chart. You know, not even deeply. Not, not I'm not saying like third string like with Burn or something, but you know what I mean. Like, they're still going to be a back. They're still going to get minimal yardage yes. or amount of play. So, like, I even looked at it after I talked to Charlie about that. So, aside from, like, Jalen Waddell in, like, recent years, like Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, most of those guys didn't play their – they played no, very you, minimal amount wait their your freshman turn. year. Very wait minimal. Your turn at so uh, maybe not third string, but special teams. You know, they're yeah. going to get in the slot every few plays now and then. But, that you know, it's hard to tell a kid that was the guy and, and the number one uh, receiving uh, – the number one receiver in the recruiting class of his respected class. It's hard to say, like, hey, you got to – you now you got to sit back and wait. It goes back even to the to the Bo Jackson days when he was a running back. Bear Bryant told him uh, – he was like not hey. starting. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, bye. And he he was like, Yeah, That's he's like, me. You you he's like, you can come here, but you're not gonna play until your junior or senior year. And then the Auburn coach told him, I believe it was Pat Dye, if I'm not mistaken. It was that an old time right. coach, yeah. but but he told him, I will give you every opportunity that you can that I can give you to come into this. And he started as a true freshman and you know, the rest is history. Does he I you know, maybe maybe he had too many miles going into the league. Doing yeah, that, that is but, a concern. But he is still one of the best college running backs ever to do it. And it might have been hard to make that claim if he went to Bama and only played two years. Yeah, you're right. You and know? then and then if you're saying you're telling these guys like you're gonna get playing time, you gotta play him. Because they right. can transfer and leave now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to tell a guy you gotta sit and wait your turn now when he's like, Oh, I can just go I can I'm at Alabama, you're telling me I gotta sit, but I can just go to Mizzou and start right away. Or it can be, uh, oh, you want me to sit at Mizzou when I can just go mm-hmm. to a to a Big Ten school or a Pac-12 school and I can dominate and make it to the league. Real quick before we go, I wanted to ask you about your take on the Donnie Mitchell trade. The oh, yeah, trade. Man, we about all that. I I don't know. I mean, I guess it makes Cleveland a little bit better. If I'm Donovan Mitchell, I'm pissed. Like I just went from Utah to Cleveland. Like, <laughs> come on, that's not really an upgrade in cities at all. But when you look at their roster, I was I was doing this early. I was looking at their roster, and I mean, okay, you got uh, you got Garland at point guard. He's nice, but I think he's really close to reaching his ceiling. I don't really see too much more potential out of him. He is what he is right now, even he's at his good. young age. I think he's That's, good. He's a good player. I just don't think he's going to get any better than That's what fair. he has been already. And then Donovan Mitchell, I like him, but I think he takes too way too many bad shots. That's I, fair. I think he has potential to be a superstar, but I feel like he just. He's a volume shooter, and he takes too many bad shots. But I think that was because he didn't have great talent around him either. Mm-hmm. I like Evan Mobley a lot, the young guy. Love him. He's going to be able to do a lot. Pro. Yeah, and he's cool. And then they got uh, um, Jared Allen, which will be a good rebounder. No doubt. But yeah, then pro. You, yeah, and then when you look at um, you got Brooklyn, you got 76ers, you got Miami. Uh, I would even throw Toronto in there. The Chicago mm-hmm. Bulls, the Celtics. To me, Cleveland's probably fighting for a 5-6 seed yeah. at this point. I mean, you got a better team, but you, you don't have that person that was like, oh, wow, we really got to watch out for this dude. I've seen Donovan Mitchell put up 40-point games in the playoffs, but he loses. So That's the thing. And what, they made? They were the seventh seed yes. this year? It's hard to say that they make even bigger of a jump than that. They probably get to the sixth seed, maybe the fifth seed. Yeah, I but, agree. Yeah. But think of this year. Like, Toronto was the fifth seed last season. All year, like especially towards Toronto's the second half, good. everybody was like, "Damn, Toronto's good." You know, they yeah. might ruffle some feathers, and then they lose in five games against yes. uh, against Philly, and, five or six games. And Chicago was up there 
in the top yeah, five. Yeah, no all, doubt. They were the best team the first half of the yeah, season. Yeah, and then the injuries happened One to the them. Best. So they're going to be better next year, too, mm-hmm. with Zach Levine and uh, DeRozan and a healthy Lonzo Ball. They're going to be better. But I like I do like this Cavs team. It's just, it's just hard to say, you know, with all these teams that are already solidified in the East, it's really taking right. that jump from the how. Remember when everybody was bashing on the East, calling them the least and stuff yeah, like that. It was only so, so but not in the West was so heavy. But now you kind of flip it. You know, I know the West is still it's still got it's their still teams super heavy. No, no doubt. Well, yeah, this the NBA in general is starting to yeah. kind of flatten out a little, a little I, more I like ever it. since post KD signing yes. with Golden State. Talent is definitely now, but, dispersed throughout the NFL. But or the, NBA is great. I'd really, the biggest thing with the Cavs is going to be Isaac Okoro. What is his? What's his ceiling? with this team he's a good player he is but is a, he great uh, and time will tell yeah well definitely yeah i you don't know? know i mean they did you're right lavert's good is he gonna stay healthy that's the other thing too yeah because i i really I like about i LeVert. really that's, like lavert that's nice but that's I, a nice six-man piece coming off the bench mm-hmm. and then caleb caleb had a, caleb had a little bit of a resurgence yeah he got a second year. in uh but he can't six play man of the year voting so he'll be coming yeah. off the bench too yeah he can't play any defense and then but that's but they got so many power forwards who who are strong, and can play switch and play, for pretty much two through five. So yeah, that makes them so dynamic. Cause they're gonna actually be able to play some defense. Well, Mo- Mobley's a great, like he's the epitome of like modern yeah, power absolutely. forward NBA. Yes, like that they they nailed and that he, pick. And he can stretch the floor. Yes. And then on the other end, so the Jazz now all, all so here's all their picks, picks real fast. So, so the, they got the 2025, 27, 29 Cavs first over or first round picks. And then uh, they have a, a swap pick with mm-hmm. them in 2026 and 28. So for the next six years, they're going to have a Cavs pick in some way. So they're really yeah. They're, but they're, I, yeah, well, and they got they're, they're they got team, all those picks. But are they going to find a Rudy Gobert and a Donovan Mitchell with those picks? They they got the uh, we were, I was just talking about it with John. They they got Walker Kessler now with Auburn. He was the Naismith yeah. Defensive Player of the Year. Give it eh, a little time. Eh, Give we'll it a little see. time. We'll see. Gobert was overrated, though. We can agree on that, right? Oh, absolutely. So At I'm not 100... saying Kessler's going to be oh, yeah. defensive player of the no. year. Rudy Gobert but it's a good feeling. Yeah, Rudy Gobert's a good defensive player. He's a defensive player, three-time defensive player of the year. But it's he's t- a liability it, when it comes to a series. I don't can just isolate him. I agree, and I don't mind the I don't mind the deal with the Jazz because it was time to flip the page. Yeah, you got it was time to. Exactly. They, they couldn't get out of the first second round. And I'm going to always give Danny Ainge some type of credit. No I mean, doubt. he knows what he's doing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he convinced he convinced the 76ers to take Markel Fultz and trade a first round pick. <laughs> just and then the Celtics got Jason Tatum. Tatum. Like how and then crazy. Brown the year before. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that so. was that, that wasn't the best con game in NBA history. That's ridiculous. Um, this will be the final seconds of the Charlie Tuna Show this week. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Next week, we are going to have Barry Switzer on Tuesday. Uh, we're off Monday because of Labor Day. Uh, Matt Berger will be coming back. I feel like he took a couple months off until football season started on purpose. Because <laughs> this summer was a little slow sports-wise. But I was we, taking the heat for you, Matt. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. He takes the heat, too, when he comes in. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. You're listening to the Charlie Tuna Show. I'm Joe Davis, and I'm also here with Seth Close. We appreciate you listening from 590 The Fan, Schnook Studios, and Kirkwood.